I'm Ginger. And I'm Dutch. folks welcome back to another episode of ginger and dutch here on a cold snowy day in southern ontario with the ginger and dutch podcast ding ding dutch come on in did you not see come on that's got to be the first thing we're talking about here of course Right? Mike Tyson, Mike Tyson. Mike Tyson, Mike Tyson. You know what? I got to commend them. They did a pretty good job. Um, as much as, obviously, no fans, uh, just the way it was set up, I wouldn't have paid 50 bucks. I, I literally was getting the play-by-play by my uh, my buddy Colucci, uh, Jacob, the younger version, who was filling me in on the, on the, uh, the fight as it went along. Um, but I watched it right afterwards the next day. He, he looked pretty good, man. Tyson looked pretty good. And they went eight rounds toe-to-toe. Roy Jones looked scared. Roy Jones looked scared. He looked exhausted afterwards, like he was just trying to stay alive like a bear was chasing him through the forest, which Mike Tyson isn't too far off from that. But the real question, Dutch, the real question that our listeners want to hear is, I'm going to bring you back a few months ago when this whole fight thing first came about, and I believe the words out of your mouth were, I would get in the ring with Mike Tyson. Now that you've seen Mike Tyson in eight rounds with another professional fighter, there's no way in hell you're getting in the ring with Mike Tyson. <laughs> well, I saw Nate Robinson get knocked out by Jake Paul, the YouTube sensation. It didn't look pretty. Um, I, I need some serious helmet gear to get in there. He looked ferocious. He looked pretty darn good. It was kind of silly that there was no winner, and you knew there wasn't going to be a winner. Um, they called it a draw, et cetera, and they weren't allowed to. There was going to be no blood, et cetera, but... All in all, I thought they did a good thing. To answer your question, not a chance in hell would I get in the ring with Mike Tyson unless it was for a million bucks, like I said. Yeah, for sure. And that's where they, I think they've now they've done this test run. Change it up. Let's let these guys fight. Yeah. I know they're in their 50s and you know, they want to protect their safety and, and all that stuff. But let's have a winner. And let's, let's fight like these guys used to fight. They showed that they can do it. Yeah. So I think we open it up. Um, I think the rumor on the street now was they're moving on to Anderson Silva. Somebody's going to fight Anderson Silva now. Uh, so who knows where we go from here. Well, we'll see. We'll see. Some interesting things happened. Uh, you know, it, it was actually on our feed as well. Uh, Sarah Fuller, Vanderbilt, first female to jump in, power five, uh, kicker. Was it a publicity stunt or not? I'm not sure. We'll get into it in a sec. I want your opinion on it. Um, and another cool thing, which we're going to talk to uh, our special guest coming up, um, Callie Brownson from uh, the Cleveland Browns. Interim uh, tight ends coach, first female coach. Uh, that's a big stepping stone. So uh, some interesting things, but what do you think about that? Was it just a, a publicity stunt? Good for, good for the fact that it happened, but really was it necessary? Well, I think it was necessary. I think that, that Vanderbilt, with their setup down on campus, they didn't have anybody around. And you know what? Why not give the gal a shot? She didn't have the opportunity to actually get in there and kick a field goal. I would have loved to have seen that. But uh, you know what? little squib kick to start it off, it's progress. Either way, whether it was a publicity stunt or not, the school showed that it can be done. I know the coach got fired, and we can all argue about whether it was because of that or what. Yeah, Derek Mason, zero and eight. I, I get it, but how? How though? How? Football's a, a different style sport, you know. And, and sure, she's sure sure she plays on the soccer team, and I'm sure she's got a she's got a, a leg. But could you imagine if she got thumped? 
I, I just don't know if I just don't know if there's a spot in 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 football. I know they've tried it in hockey. Did you see the quadriceps on that gal? Yeah, absolutely. But they're, they're, her makeup is different than than a, a male's perspective when it comes to NFL and the athleticism and and the size and the strength compared. I would hate for her to get laid out on a on a on a block or let's say it's blocked and she gets tumbled over because some guy wants to to make a you know make a point. Um, I don't know. I think I think it's a start, right? Yeah. What we got to see here, and you you down the road in future, and and if this can progress further, which we hope it can, then that may be the case. You may be right. Yeah. But you know what? These are young men. Some of them, a lot of them, are still in their teens. Some of these sophomores, juniors, are just turning twenty years old, so they're yeah. not full developed men. Some of them are those ones that we know are are lock stop for the uh, for the NFL. Yeah. They're, they're ready, and a lot of them are ready. And the, long, the more and more we have this athlete development in college athletics, the more and more they do become pro-ready. But if you're going to try it, college is the spot to do it. You're right. Um, let's start seeing more of it. There's tons of it happening in the high school level as yeah. well, yeah. Um, which we don't hear enough about. So let's start to graduate up. And you know what? If it, if it means that eventually somebody does earn a spot – and a female athlete does earn a spot as an NFL kicker, NFL punter, or whatever position. Um, as long as it's on merit and That's right. they, I, they, I, earn, they earn their spot, absolutely, all the power to them. And let's go ahead and let's do it. If they're on merit, absolutely. I see no reason why they couldn't. It just, it, I don't know if that was the right, right time for it. But sticking to college football, let's just stick to college football. What the hell is going on with it? It's a mess. It's an absolute mess. you got Ohio State. Uh, it's still, still in the top four. Still about to be uh, in the college playoffs if they continue. They got a couple big games left, but they might not even get the six games. They, they won't even qualify for a Big Ten ch- championship. There's no way in hell that that the Big Ten committee is not going to let them play in the in the Big Ten championship if they get five games, because it says in their their they made a rule that at minimum six games, which is stupid, because they were the last, I believe, the last of the big conferences to start. Yes, they and were. and they're sitting there going. Oh, well, you're not going to have them in, but yet they can go into the playoffs? Like, what the fuck are they doing? Well, this is what happens when you have all these different committees and and different governing bodies for different conferences. There's different mixed messages, right? And there's that's where the problem that's lying right now is between the Big Ten Conference and college football. Yeah, CBS. So it's, it's, hey, they're going to play. If they think... They may they may shun the Big Ten and, and it could be consequences down the road and money given back. But if if the college football committee thinks that they're in the top four teams, they're going to be in the top four teams and they'll be in there whether they've played four games, five games, nine games, twelve games. Um, I think they're putting in. I, I think there's no brainer that they're going to be in that top four because of all of the different moving parts this year. In yeah, and football. the pedigree that, that Ohio State has and, and the glam and, of course, the ratings because Ohio State's one of the big, big names, of course, across the board. You know, and speaking of that, too, Alabama wins without Saban, right? He's got COVID. He doesn't go down to the game, and they win handily over the weekend as well. I'm not discrediting the fact that, that Saban's not a great coach, but in football, kind of a little bit interesting to see that head coach not playing and, and they just went out there and just took care of business like usual. Yeah, they carried on in usual. And, and what I'm starting to see, especially this year in college football is, is that I think we've got to do something about the talent gap and the talent levels. It just doesn't make sense to me that, that the number two team can play the number six team or the number one team can play the number 10 team. 
and win by 30 plus points. When in college basketball, you look at college basketball and the number one two team plays the number two team and it's right down to the end. You know, we just got off to the off to the start with Gonzaga and and um, Kansas, and we're not going to dive too much into college football or college basketball because we'll we'll pick back up in the new year when we come back. But yep. um, there's on any given night, just like you've always said to me, on any given night in college basketball, that the 38th team can beat the number four team, and it happens routinely. Look at last season. Look at the start of this season as we've just got into the first week. That's not happening in college football. No, and that's why we say it, and that's why we argue about it all the time. I, I, I don't like it. I don't like the system. I don't like the way the recruiting classes are. I, it just that it's the same teams over and over again, and it's being it's become more and more in the last you know ten years that it's just it's a glue down there, and, and they've got to fix it. They've got to fix it. It's terrible. Yeah, we need a little bit more parity. Speaking of parity. How about we're going to flip over for our last little quick uh, segment here before we get into some MLB talk. How about the New England revolution in the MLS playoffs going from the play-in game now into the Eastern Conference Finals? Our beloved TFC shit the bed. Greg Vanny resigns. um, Today. Today, I believe. Yep. How about the MLS soccer playoffs? It's been really exciting for those following along. Yep, I think it's a must. It's been watch. it's been entertaining, absolutely. The eighth seed, as you just mentioned, um, making a run here. You got you got some of the big teams left, which we'll get into. But you know, let's talk about uh, the, the the two teams that were in the finals for uh, for the bubble back in the summertime. You have Portland and Orlando. They both were out first in the playoffs. They're out. Yep. So you're seeing a whole different uh, look. Uh, you still have two games to go. The semifinals are set in the East. Yep. And now we're we've got the, the number one seed. We got Kansas Sporting KC against Minnesota, and we got Seattle against I believe Dallas. Yep. I think it's going to be Seattle KC. I don't think there's going to be any change there. But yeah, you're you're. It, it looks like the 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 New England could make a little run here and uh, and maybe shock everybody and, and take this thing down. That would be incredible. And and you know I think that eventually the. The winner is going to come out of that Seattle-Dallas matchup. I think those are the two best teams. But nice to see some parity. And like you you nailed it right on the head there. Nice to see um, a totally different outlook from what we saw in the bubble. I just, that bubble thing, I think it, it was fun. Yeah. It was fun, but it just, uh, a lot of teams were checked out. And uh, speaking of checked out, I think we saw that from the TFC. I think they knew that uh, Mr. Vanny was on his way out. Yeah, there was something that we don't know. And as the reports start to show, I was reading it just uh, literally an hour ago. I was reading the reports and he was talking about, you know, um, building. And, you know, he built the team to where he is. And it's just not his style right now. He believes that they've got an unbelievable um, pedigree there. They're, they're rocking and rolling, but there's nothing more for him to give. So um, it was it was personal reasons. It was nothing to do with it, but I'm sure we'll hear more as it goes. But you're right. They, they checked out. Yeah. Unfortunate to see because they do got a talented squad and, yeah. and we were hoping that they could rekindle some of those magical runs that uh, get to the show. Eric Zavaleta talked to us about uh, back in the summertime yeah. in, in 2017 and 16. But uh, let's switch over. Let's slow the pace down to the boys of summer not much is happening and even though it's free agency clearly they're slowing down they've slowed (laughs) right down to snail's pace right free agency has been going for a month now and the list of of free agents is still just sitting there like and some good names what are like do they just sit and do jack shit and not worry about anything there's some big names and i got a few we'll talk about but 
how, why is it traditionally this way with baseball? Whereas like in NBA, and I know it was different because they're pumping through the draft, but why is Major League just take their sweet-ass time on this? Yeah, it's, you know what? It's a trend here that's happened now for about three, four years in, in baseball, and I've, I've yet to figure it out. I haven't heard somebody give a, a explanation that I'm buying. I truly think it's the owners just trying to drive the price down of these players and to not show the urgency that, hey, we need this guy, that he's going to push us over the top, and I think it's a part of their negotiating ploy. In this specific year, I also think the setup of the farm system in the major leagues has a part to do that. I think they're still ironing out some of those kinks. They they're, are. they're cutting down a lot of the uh, the farm systems and the players within that. So I think financially they want to see where things are kind of going to shake out to yep. and, um, you know, talk about the checks and the balances and, and you know, what can you – bringing in these players for do we have this amount of money yeah. you know all those types of things are are affecting the free agency but they've got to get it figured out here in the near future because like you said to me off air this is an opportunity for MLB in an off season where there's not much going on other than the NFL and some side sports here and there like Mike Tyson was part of your biggest news in sports over the weekend yeah. like, and we're in December now Come on, baseball. Like yeah. You have an opportunity here to, to grab the bull by the horns. Yeah, no hockey, no NBA for another month here. What are you doing? And and I didn't see one relevant signing come through over the course of an entire weekend. No. Uh, just a lost opportunity. I look at the NBA and how excited we were, not only us, but Canadian basketball fans, worldwide basketball fans for the NBA free agency, NFL, year over the year. Um, people take the day off on NHL. Yep. Uh, trade deadline in the NHL up here in Canada. It's a whole extravaganza. People take the day off. Yep. In the MLB, no one really gives a rat's ass right now, and it's a shame. Yeah, exactly. But let's talk about a few. I know you got a couple, so I'll start with one. But let's yep. just talk about a few. You, you got one of the one of the big big names is George Springer. Okay, he's thirty one. Uh, the Jays are looking heavily at him. Um, I know he's had a history of uh, injuries, but he is still one of the biggest out there. Right? He finished very solid last year. I think that he could um, help the Jays immensely out in the field. He has a ton of experience and leadership with the Jays don't have. Plus, uh, you know, their, their outfield is suspect at best. I think he would be a great fit bringing him into the Blue Jays organization. Can he, can he uh, stomp on the water bottles and uh, tell us what pitch is coming <laughs> down? That's, the, be, uh, that's besides the point. Can he do that? Hey, he, he showed very well at the at the tail end of uh, the bubble season, uh, and, and I think he's got a couple more years left in him. No, and all, all joking aside, uh, George Springer, you know what? It was a slow start last year, and then he, he, he hit the afterburners. He's still got a lot of left in the tank. He can provide a lot to this Toronto team. There's no doubt about that. Who do you got next, Dutch? DJ. Big DJ LeMayu, right? Oh, this is the big fish. Oh, yeah, this you gotta, is my big fish. This yeah. is who I want to come to town. you got a bomber, right? He can play multiple positions in the infield, okay? You look at his numbers in when his last big full season in 19, he shined. He had, I think, 25, 26 home runs, 100-plus RBIs. Um, I think he can do it again, based on uh, depending on how long the season is, obviously. He's the big fish. Where is he going to go? I think he's going to go back to New York. But, folks, this guy is a professional hitter. We always hear the term, you know, DH. And, and now with the changes in baseball, with DH happening in ANL, it makes these hitters even more powerful in their negotiations. But throw the DH out the side. This man, DJ LeMay, he was a professional hitter. 
He can hit the baseball. He can do whatever you want. Opposite field, pull side, strong side, whatever you want. This guy's got it all when it comes to being at the plate. And you think Yankees. Yeah. You know what? It wouldn't surprise me. Um, I know there was a tiny talk. Again, this isn't about the Jays here, but there was a tiny talk about that. But that's kind of quieted since. Um, I got one more for you, and then I know you got a, a pitcher or two, I think, that you wanted to bring in. But yep. um, Marcel Azuna, here's another guy. Um, he's not the best defender, but you know what? He played for Atlanta. Uh, he turned down a contract, if I believe, uh, if I'm correct. Um, I think he could be a huge help to an American League team as a DH. He's got tons of power. I just don't trust him as an everyday fielder, but he'll be a good piece for somebody if he comes into the uh, to the um, American League side. Oh, there's no doubt. There's no doubt that uh, Marcelo Zuna can can help somebody. Once again, I, I, don't, I don't. This is a piece that I don't know where he's going to go because there's a tons of, tons of different options for him. So I can't give our listeners a, a true good gut feeling that I have on Ozuna of where he's going to fall. Um, but he'll be a piece, he'll be a trendsetter in the fact that whatever contract he signs, there'll be a slew of guys that come in behind him that will be set up in their contract structure. Um, they won't be able to go above that. They'll be in that same kind of time frame. So that's where I think Ozuna's going to kind of set the market, um, if you will, for, uh, for people at the same position as him. I, I, there's a couple more out there. JT Romaltu, a catcher, big-time catcher. Um, yep. So he's a piece there. The Ju- I think the Blue Jays should be uh, definitely looking at uh, Trevor Bauer. Trevor know? Bauer is the, 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 big the big pitcher, pitcher. right? right. Uh, Marcus Stroman just signed. I mean, I know it's not a big name, but yep. Stroman just uh, uh, accepted an offer back with the Mets. The problem with theirs is he just doesn't have a ton of strikeout power, and their defense isn't that good. So I don't know. If, if it's going to mean anything for him. But he's still, obviously, a bona fide starter in the league. Oh, for sure. And Even the, with his injury that he had at the end of the season. Yep, and and that's the thing with pitchers is that anybody who's an ace or in that top two, they're locked up. Yeah. These teams get these guys locked up because they're just – they're not dime a dozen. They're not NFL running backs that you can just cycle through. Yep. So when you get a, a pitcher that's, you know, a winning pitcher or a 500 pitcher, you know, look at the Blue Jays and Chase Anderson, like – they're going to sign these guys, and they're going to be 3-4 in the rotation, and, and they're valuable. So that's an, a nice little keep there from the Mets, and uh, good for uh, for Stroman for sticking around. Don't say running backs are a dime a dozen. King Henry's got something to say about that, which oh, we're going to get to after the break because he's bowling down teams in the NFL again and coming strong. But anything else on the MLB? As you, do you have anybody else that you wanted to? Yeah, I was just going to talk about a couple teams that uh, I think have some pieces, and, and we touched on a couple of these guys already, but you know, Houston, what's Houston going to do if they, you know, they lose Brantley and Springer? Yeah. Right? It, you know, is it, is it rebuild time? You know, I know you got Altuve still, but what do they do there? Is it time to just completely blow everything up? Uh, the Yankees, our number one competitor. You got Tanaka. You got, um, is Springer going to come? LeMayhew is, what's he doing? He's coming, he's going. And then a, a quiet team that not a lot of people talked about, but had a great shortened season in 2020. And I think they've got some good pieces. And that's the uh, the Minnesota Twins. You've got Nelson Cruz there. He's a, he's available on free agency. Jake Ordorizzi is just like one of those pitchers that we talked about. So what's going to happen in Minnesota if they lose a few of these guys or they bring them back? Can they make a run or will they try to rebuild or retool with some other pieces in free agency? Yeah. Well, let's hope that some of these players get picked up sooner rather than later so we can start looking into spring because I know for our conversations, you know, we've got, uh, you know, two weeks left here before we go to, to holidays for a couple weeks. Um, but, you know, when we come back, it's going to be back to the NHL, back to the NBA, 
playoff time coming for NFL, MLB's going to get lost in the shuffle. Like, yep. Let, let's let's get some guys in here. Let's figure out how long the season is going to be, when we're going to get going. Spring training uh, doesn't look like there's anything as we're looking out the window and we see 30 centimeters of snow here, but um, we'll see how that goes. All right, listeners, we're going to send you off the break here now. And uh, when we get on, back from break, we're going to get right into our interview with our special guest, Cleveland Browns beat writer with the Plain Dealer, Cleveland.com, analyst for WKYC-TV. That's Mary Kay Cabot. You can follow her on Twitter at Mary Kay Cabot as well. She's in tune with her Cleveland Browns. They're 8-3, playing the most important football that they've played in 20-plus years. So when we get back from break, we'll go right into the interview. We'll catch you on the flip side. Sleigh bells ring, that's ginger. Dutch can't sing, he points his finger. At another point spread, the Cleveland Browns are dead. Walking in the Derrick Henry world. Gone away is OBJ. Here to stay is Baker May. A beautiful sight, we're hopeful tonight. The Browns can get the cover of the week. You can hand it off, but you can't score, man. And pretend that you can go to Brown. He'll say I'm the man, but he'll keep dreaming. And that's why we drafted Miles G. We tackle and play. We intercept all day. Walking in the dog pound. You're listening to the Ginger and Dutch Podcast, where real-life passion meets real-life sports talk. Ow! All right, Ginger and Dutch listeners, we're excited to welcome Mary Kay Cabot, Browns beat writer, pro football Hall of Fame selector, and a part of the Cleveland Browns fabric, maybe even a part of the dog pound. We don't know, but we're <laughs> going to find out. Um, Mary Kay, are you on the line with us here? I'm here. Awesome. Well, um, I know what it's like up here in Toronto, and I got an idea of what it's like in Cleveland, and it's definitely not 70, degree, 70 degrees like it was in Jacksonville on Sunday. How's, uh, how's the weather down there for you? Well, first of all, I'm going to need you guys to head over to Quebec City and go see my daughter, Celeste, because... She's going to school there, and I cannot get across the border to come visit her. So uh, we'll we'll uh, we'll head down. I occasionally uh, ski down there, so we'll go down and uh, and say hi to her for sure for you. <laughs> I really appreciate it. I uh, I'm gonna miss her for for Christmas, so uh, I'm gonna need a little help. But anyways, yes, it's uh, there's a ton of snow out here today too. So the Browns are lucky they're not going to be playing this game in Cleveland this weekend. I don't know if the snow would even be cleared by then. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty crazy right now. Uh, we're we're getting thirty plus centimeters or wh- whatever the term is in inches, but it's it's crazy right now as we're looking out the window. Oh gosh, same same. I haven't been out yet, but I see some uh, some footprints in my backyard, and it looks like I don't know. It looks like uh, at least eight to twelve inches here so far. Oh, wow. Um, you were down at the game in Jacksonville. Uh, let our let our listeners know how cool was it to see. Uh, Callie Bronson uh, coached the tight ends this weekend, creating history, a real cool thing. Um, right off the, the heels of uh, Sarah Fuller with playing the first Power 5 game. Um, what was the feel like on the sidelines? And, and, you know, pretty proud moment for the Cleveland Browns organization. You know what? It really was. And good for Callie. And she's so good at her job. 
And the great thing is that Kevin Stefanski recognizes that. And he, he has told me in no uncertain terms that he believes that, that Callie will be an NFL head coach one day. And, you know, when, when he says something like that, uh, he's not just going to throw that. He believes in her. And the players really like her a lot. Uh, she does a little bit of everything. And she's good at everything that she does. And I can't wait to see how her career plays out. Yeah, we're excited too. And, and that brings me to the next point about uh, Kevin Stefanski. You know, how has he changed the outlook for this franchise in one year in Cleveland? I mean, they're eight and three. I know they got a tough schedule coming up. Um, they're looking like they're playoff contenders, but how has he changed the culture, you know, analytics, et cetera, player, player development? Um, it's pretty cool to see it happen in one year. Yeah, he's done a really nice job under very trying circumstances. Good for him. He's had to pull this whole thing together. Uh, under these COVID-19 protocols, it's been very difficult. When they went down to Jacksonville, they didn't have five players because of COVID-19 reserve, including Miles Garrett, Sione Takitaki, Porter Gustin. Uh, so it was, it was really challenging to try to do that and to do everything else that they've had to do. But he has changed the culture in that regard and in many other ways, too, including, you know, just the kind of players that they're putting on the football team. Uh, you know, I think it really starts there. If you have a bunch of guys on your team that are all about the game, that are passionate about it, and that are, you know, really great human beings, as well as great football players, you're going to be so far ahead, ahead of the game. Yeah, you're, you're bang on there with in talking about, you know, the fabric of the players and, and, the, and the culture. And one of those players that's, that's actually just been activated uh, within the last couple hours to come back, I believe, is Miles Garrett. Um, what's he going to bring back to this football team that we haven't seen yet on the field? Um, is he going to bring an edge or is he just going to bring the flat out talent and pass rush prowess that, uh, that he provides? Well, he, he brings it all come back with his hair on fire because, you know, he was really, I think the leading candidate for NFL defensive player of the year when he had to go home and sit down for two games because of the COVID-19 positive test. And he really yep. wants that award this year. He had to miss the last six games from being suspended, you know, suspended last year for the Mason Rudolph thing. So for him to be back now for these last five games, I think it's going to be lights out for him. He's going to try to strap this team onto his back, get it into the playoffs, and, and just be that number one overall pick that he is. Is there belief in Baker Mayfield, you know, or are the Browns just scared to run their offense through him? Um, or is it just arguably because, you know, they've got the, the best offensive line in football, are they going to just continue to run through Chubb and Hunt, or is there some belief in Mayfield? I know losing OBJ was a big, uh, you know, a big hit, but you know, are they confident in in him? Or, or are we going to see it? Can he win a playoff game or two? Well, here's the thing: I really think that uh, Baker Mayfield would have had much more of an opportunity to try to showcase the passing game over the last uh, four weeks or so. But they had three straight. And he wasn't able to do that. I think they hit the reset button on Baker Mayfield at the bye week. And I think they you know, added some things. They took some things out. They got him to the throwing more out of play action, which he feels very comfortable doing. They were rolling him out more, uh, you know, just doing some things to help him feel really, really comfortable. And he just didn't have a chance to showcase those skills because there were high winds and hail and rain and snow at first energy. So one of the first yeah. times he, he really had a chance to, to pass the ball was in Jacksonville. Now, 
it happened, you know, to mixed reviews. He had some really, really nice throws and he had a couple in the end zone that he would like to have back. The thing that concerns me slightly about that game is that there, there was really not much pressure on him whatsoever. Their best defensive end, Josh Allen was out of the game. Their two starting cornerbacks were out of the game. So and it, for my mind, I think he still needs to prove it against a really good defense with a good pass rush and good cornerbacks. You mentioned Josh Allen there, and, and me being a, a Homer Bills fan up here in Toronto, I immediately turned to um, to my beloved Buffalo Bills, and I, I foresee a, a possible Cleveland-Buffalo matchup. And one thing that Cleveland and Buffalo do have in common, Mary Kay, is, is the rabid fan base. Give our listeners an idea of, of the temperature and the feeling around the city of Cleveland. We know it's a smaller city, not a big market. Um, is, is the dog pound starting to bark right now? Uh, and are they getting excited for uh, this big time run here um, for the Browns coming into the playoffs? Yeah, yeah, they, they really are. And uh, let me just say real quick, uh, you know, good good for you as a Buffalo Bills fan to have Josh Allen. I really loved Josh Allen coming out of, out in the draft in 2018. I love uh, what Brian Dayball, the former Browns offensive coordinator, has done with him. And same thing with Ken Dorsey. I really, really have enjoyed watching him. I highly touted him coming out in that draft. In fact, he was my number one in that class. I love what they, I love the fact that uh, his arm talent has gotten so much better since I watched him at the senior bowl that year. And if he does have to match up against the Cleveland Browns, boy, that is going to be a great storyline. Josh Allen versus Baker Mayfield. And uh, that that's going to be really, really super interesting, but yeah, Browns fans are getting really excited here. 17 year playoff drought longest in the NFL. They're ready to roll, but you know, they've got to get the job done. They've got two tough weeks coming up. And then they have to face the Steelers in the final week. So potentially, you know, they've got three losable games left on their schedule. Let's see what happens. Uh, You just stole my thunder. I was just going to talk about the schedule. You've got the five remaining games, and I kind of have them sitting in and around 11-5. Huge game this week in Tennessee, uh, arguably against, uh, you know, he's the talk of the town right now. Uh, King Henry, he's starting to take over, and, you know, he's looking like a possible MVP candidate now. Can they win this game? Well, they can. It's not going to help matters that Ronnie Harrison, their safety, who was playing so well for them, uh, is now going to be out for four to six weeks with a shoulder injury. Denzel Ward is still out of this game. He's been tackling better as well. So they've got a lot of starters out of this game. Uh, So that's not going to help. But it will help to have Miles Garrett back there. Linebackers are going to have to really, really step up and be on point when Derrick Henry gets into that uh, second level of this defense. So, uh, so challenged at the safety spot, but, uh, but, you know, I mean, I do think that, you know, there is a chance that, that they can win this game. And the reason why I say that is because whenever you have miles Garrett, and then you have the two headed monster of Nick Chubb and Kareem hunt, you can pretty much almost play with anyone. Yeah. It's going to be a black and blue game for sure. Uh, you know there's going to be – I, I don't even want to know how many runs there's going to be coming up, but uh, it, it'll be a tough game for them. Um, I'm excited. I, I really think that uh, we're going to see some noise with them for sure. Oh, yeah, I, I definitely think so. And, you know, here's the thing. You know, Ryan Tannehill is playing really well. A.J. Brown is playing well, and now you don't have uh, Denzel Ward to go up against A.J. Brown, so that's not going to help matters at all. Um, so, really, their two starting cornerbacks are out of this game. And that, you know, their top safety is out of this game. So they're challenging the defensive backfield. I'm sure Mike Vrabel 
uh, has duly noted that and has, um, you know, has some plans to not only run uh, Derrick Henry down their throats, but also to hit some plays in the passing game. So big, huge challenge for the Browns. Mary Kay, before we uh, before we let you go here, wanted to uh, get some background. We've seen uh, that you're a Pro Football Hall of Fame selector. Let our listeners know uh, what your involvement in in and that is, what that's all about, uh, what's involved, and uh, give us a little background. Uh, well, you know, I am very fortunate and and honored to be uh, part of the Hall of Fame selection committee. And, you know, every year we go to the Super Bowl. Now, this year it might be virtual, but every year we go to the Super Bowl and we select those five guys that are going into the Hall of Fame. And it's really challenging. It's very hard to do. I mean, the minute you walk out of the room, you have everybody, uh, you know, screaming and yelling about who should have been in and who who shouldn't have been in. Uh, But it's a very thorough process. And, uh, you know, it's it's fascinating. They're now starting to show some of it on uh, on NFL Network. So, you know, that makes it even more exciting. So you can see the debate and what all goes into it. And, uh, you know, this year the Browns have right now, uh, Clay Matthews is one of the 25 finalists. So good for Clay. I hope he gets into the room where we debate the final 15 and then whittle that down to five. So I hope Clay makes it into the room where we get an opportunity to debate him. Uh, That's great stuff. Um, Listen, Mary Kay, we, we certainly appreciate your time. Uh, good luck the rest of the season with the uh, with the Cleveland Browns. Um, we're rooting for them. It's about time to see them in the playoffs, and uh, we wish you all the best. Sounds good. Thanks for having me. Another great interview. Mary Kay brought so much knowledge. Uh, it, it's just it's amazing how each of these beat writers are just so knowledgeable of their team. Obviously, we know they have to be, but just what, what a fantastic interview. Yeah, nice, nice to hear dive into you know some other teams too, talking about Tennessee and Buffalo and just the overall general knowledge of the NFL. Like they just know it inside and out, and it's it's good to hear and great to have her on. Yeah, and I'm glad because you know some of our female listeners uh, get to see it from a different perspective. I know we have um, listeners that are, are are into football just like we are, uh, so it was nice from uh, another side of it uh, just to hear. Uh, her perspective, that was great. That's right. It was yeah. amazing. Yeah. Well, let's get into a little calamity and commotion here, as we always do on the Ginger and Dutch podcast. We're going to start with a calamity here, and there's a few teams, and we had to narrow it down because there was a, I had it at about five or six, but I'll hit them with rapid fire here to you, Dutch. Arizona, Chicago, and Las Vegas. Boy, oh boy. The Cardinals suddenly find themselves in a tough situation, right? You know, they, 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 Kyler Murray was just not good last week or this past week. 170 yards on, on INT. It was a poorly played game. I got to give credit to New England. Um, their defense was good. I can't see them going better than 8-8 eight and eight now, though. They've got the Rams twice. They got the 49ers. Yeah, two winnable games with the Eagles and the Giants. But this, just see how fast this changes. That's it. That's it. And I, I won't do it yet, but I won't do it yet, but... I'm just about dialed in on those Arizona Cardinals. I know you had them going to the playoffs. I know. I told you it was the hot take, but we'll let them play the string out here. But uh, you're right. They're they're in tough. They've got some tough games to finish. The Bears. Oh, boy. Five in a row. They stink. I think the only bright spot was Montgomery coming back from concussion. Um, stick a fork in them, though. They're five and six. Um, yeah, okay, whatever. They scored 15 points in the fourth quarter against Green Bay. They had already packed it in. Mitchell Trubinsky, 26 for 46. God awful. I don't care that they got a soft schedule. The Bears are done. 
No, you called it. You called it five weeks ago when they were five and one. That that this team was um, smoke and mirrors, and you were right. This team is in shambles now. You've got a head coach in Matt Nagy that's trying to call out his entire building um, this week. Terrible on, press conference on this press conference, um, just grasping at straws. And and if it backfires, uh, he could be grasping for his job. So uh, it'll be interesting to see what happens here in Chicago. That's a rabid fan base who loves winning. Um, who has historic record of winning? That stick's not going to last too long in uh, Chicago. You start pulling stunts like that. You got it. Uh, Las Vegas, man. Oh, after the week before, Carr just and company had a major letdown, right? Um, you know, you play the, the the champs the week before. You play unbelievable, and they just roll over and lay a dud. Puts them down to six and five, and they have a challenging schedule coming up. They've got three, you know, I think challenging games. You got your Colts, you got the Dolphins, and I know the Chargers aren't that good, but they seem to be in every game. Um, I think they'll be okay, and I think they'll come out of it uh, in a playoff spot. But man, it was a major disappointment uh, on Sunday. Major disappointment. You hear that sound, listeners? That's the sound of the Las Vegas Raiders sleeping in Bally's. In Las Vegas, hungover from a night in Las <laughs> Vegas. I don't think that team woke up. I don't think they even traveled to Atlanta. I don't even think they were there. That was uh, that was pathetic. Yeah. Commotion. Right. Commotion. Commotion. Let's get to it. We're causing commotion. And we, hi, how can we not start off with two teams that are hanging along by the skin of their teeth for the NFC playoffs? That's your Minnesota Vikings. And don't look now, listeners. We thought they were dead. They've risen off of the mat, probably up for Coach of the Year in my mind, and that's Kyle Shanahan's San Francisco 49ers. Both teams are 5-6 and six now with the Cardinals blundering. These two teams are more than alive. Yeah, and you know what? I want to start with the 49ers. I mean, Kyle Shanahan just does magic. He, he, he owns the Rams. Um he, he could, if they keep pulling this along and, and they keep getting healthier and healthier, you said it off air. I mean, he's, he could be a coach of the year candidate. I mean, he's doing wonders with what he's had there. Um, they're, they're right there. They're right there for it. They've got massive division games coming before they finish the season up. So it's theirs for the taking to get in. I, I, they, they, they're doing all the right things and they're getting healthy. Look out, Buffalo, this week. Look out. Yep, and then you follow that up with, with the Cowboys and Washington. They, they ring off another three wins in a row here, and, and that team's 8-6. and six. They're right in the playoff hunt. And whatever they do in those last two weeks, to me, to have 18 to 21 guys on IR on a football team and, and you still have got a winning football team, that's coach of the year type material there. And uh, I'm hoping for the 49ers. Obviously, I hope they don't beat the Bills, but yep. um, I'm hoping they can make a run yep. uh, late in the season here. And, and, and on the other side, I mean, Kirk Cousins. Finally, finally a game. Uh, they don't come from behind that often. Uh, Carolina blew a 14-point lead. They didn't really have any business in coming back. No feeling. Uh, Justin Jefferson has another uh, outstanding game. A couple of touchdowns. I think he was 70-plus yards. And um, It was nice to see them. And they're back in the playoff picture. It really goes back to last week. Oh, my gosh, that they lose to the Dallas Cowboys. And then look what happens this week, right? Dallas lays another dud, as they're supposed to. And where, where we're at. I don't think the Vikings have enough to make it, but I'm, I'm excited. I'm, I'm, I'm back on the wagon again. Uh, you know, I had the purple on all weekend. And anyways. Yeah, you're on, you're off. You, every week's different, but you're, 
you're riding and dying with this team. But yeah, nice to see Kirk Cousins, to me, win a game where Dalvin Cook wasn't the number one option. Um, it was the drop back passing game and the spreading, the BBs, and um, you know Kyle Rudolph all of a sudden looked looked like he was uh, five years younger again and could actually run and catch the ball again. Yeah. So it was nice to see. Another team causing commotion, and that's in that NFC East. The New York football giants are now leading that division after our beloved Philadelphia Eagles laid a dud against the Seahawks last night on Monday Night Football. I, I can't, can these giants hold on here? It, they can, but I can't even I don't even want to talk about the division. I, I'm sticking with what I said. I, it's six it's a six-win division title for one of these teams and it's now in the Giants hands in my opinion if you look at the way their schedule is and now like you said that the Eagles lost um, again on Monday night uh, it's with or without Daniel Jones you know what um, Gallman's been just outstanding without Saquon Barkley he's he's, he's done wonders and, and the Giants D's been been holding up it's still a crappy crappy team there's no doubt yeah this is not not quality football <laughs> yeah. we're talking about here but um how interesting would it be for them to have a home playoff game, whether it be Washington or the New York Giants, who are you know the odds-on favorites to take this NFC East title now, um, for them to go up against the likes of a Rams um, or a Vikings if they can make a run. It could be or seven to ten point underdogs their first playoff game at home. It'll be it'll be unprecedented. I don't think we're gonna have ever seen that bef- before, and it's gonna happen. Nope. The last one I can remember, I believe, was. Um, Seattle with the Marshawn Lynch with the big run. Yep. They had a home playoff game. They were 8-8, eight eight, I believe, that year. And they were up against, I think, the 11-5 New New Orleans Saints or even 12-4 maybe. Yep. Um, that was the last one, big one that I could remember with yeah. the discrepancy. And we've got to talk about our Cleveland Browns. Okay. Mary Kay Cabot came I was on. just going to say that, yeah. Um, you know, beating Jacksonville, hey, you're not causing a lot of commotion beating Jacksonville. Let's let's be honest to our listeners here. But what we are causing commotion on is the Cleveland Browns are 8-3. This is the best record that they've had in almost 20 years, and it's all on the plate for them. You've got Tennessee this week, who's just a little bit ahead of you in the in the standings. That's a three versus five matchup in the in the current playoff standings. You've got Baltimore after that. You've got the New York teams, two easy wins against those both of those New York teams, and then you end off with the matchup we've been talking about for months now in the Pittsburgh Steelers. It's all on the line here for Cleveland. They've got it in their own hands going to be interesting to see. Well, and, and can Baker do it? Um, I, I loved um, Mary Kay's outlook on uh, those last three games that they had with weather being an issue, and, and now there's just no excuses. Uh, you know, he had an okay game, or better than okay game down in Jacksonville, but can he, that's Baker Mayfield, can he take them to a playoff win or two? I just don't see it. I, I just don't see it. I think they're going to get run out of the building against Tennessee. I think King Henry is here, as I said, and he is pounding it, and he is taking the league over again at the end of the year, just like he did last year. I think Tennessee blows him out of the water. Um, they'll bounce back. They'll ultimately land themselves a playoff spot, but I just I think it'll be one and done for the Browns. Well, it's like it's like we talked about with Mary Kay there is, is that why not, though, Dutch? You, you end up, you find yourself in that, that five spot. You beat those two New York teams. Maybe you, you, you don't beat Tennessee and you don't beat Pittsburgh and you have that signature win that we're all looking for from Cleveland. But if you beat Baltimore, now all of a sudden you're 11-5. and five. You're locked in in that five spot. And who, who's going to be there at four? It's going to be the Buffalo Bills and Josh Allen. 
that's a big matchup. That's yep. a matchup that they can potentially win here. Yep. Um, or it's or and if it's not Buffalo, it's going to be Tua or Fitz in Miami. Another winnable game. That's, so yeah. I wouldn't say never say never on on the Cleveland Browns and winning a playoff game here in 2020. Um, can they win two? We might be pushing it there. Yeah. But um, well, hey. and pretty soon in the next couple of weeks, we're going to get to start to talk about matchups yep. and potential matchups, which I can't wait because that's always fun for me is who's matching up, who are they going to play and all that. Yep. So I'm excited for that too. So As it, as it shapes up, uh, the playoff picture will become more and more clear as we move on week to week. Hey, we're 12 weeks through now as long as this game goes tomorrow on Wednesday, Pittsburgh and uh, the Ravens, and we haven't rescheduled anything, listeners. So uh, only a few more weeks left. They're going to finish. Let's flip over to our picks now to end, uh, end off this episode here. Tough week for me, so I'm <laughs> going to let you uh, you go. You know what? In all honesty, though, I did have two, unfortunately, backdoor covers. The Eagles got a backdoor cover on me, and the Cardinals absolutely blew that football game. Um, yep. First and 10 from the 33-yard line with, with two minutes to go. I'm like, yep, this is looking great. And all of a sudden, I end up 0-2-1, still hovering above 500. You had a good week. Same thing, unfortunately, backdoor cover on Monday night. That kind of screwed you. Yeah, and Daniel Jones going down in the Giants game. They allowed, uh, they allowed a, a, a last-minute touchdown. They there. allowed yep. a last-minute touchdown by the Bengals. So 1-1-1 one, one, and one for me, and which gets me to 16-19-1, and, and you're 17-16-3. So we're still we're hovering, and we're doing our thing, but... Man, it's tough. And, you know, I, I was joking about being fixed and all that BS, but last night was a tough one to watch. Um, that's the, the, the closing spread was six and a half points. And Seattle had that game in hand, and they just let Wentz march right down the field, score a touchdown, and then what do you know? Just for the sake of it, they decide to go for two. There's no reason to go for two except for the spread. Everybody knows on Monday night, Vegas, the people gamble, they take the favorites, and what happens? Everybody gets screwed. In fact, we saw a report, some guy lost $500,000 because of that. So anyways, ridiculous, um, bad beat. Maybe we'll start a segment about bad beats because that was a terrible, terrible beat. Uh, thankfully, I only had a couple bucks on it. <laughs> hey, that's a 2021 segment we'll roll out. All right. hey, hey, if we get a good week here, we're going to be right back at it. We're 33, 35, and 4. We're one game under that. Magical 500 mark, that, that 52% that we were aiming for, that we guaranteed our listeners That's right. at the start of the year. So let's uh, let's have a good week here and get back on the right side. You uh, you start us off because well, you were a couple dragging, plays away. Yeah, and after dragging and, and, and really making fun of the Chicago Bears, um, I'm, I'm going to it. I'm going to it. You're not taking the I Bears, am. are I'm you? I'm taking the Chicago oh, Bears. They're having a bounce back game. They're playing the Detroit Lions. Okay, then that makes Okay, sense. they're playing the Detroit Lions. It's, it's <laughs> minus three. I, I think, forgot they were playing the Lions. Yeah, I think they're going to break out of the slump and I and I think they're going to stay with Mitchell the rest of the way I really do I think Montgomery's going to have a massive game and he's going to run all over Detroit and they're going to win that game no problem speaking of which what perfect timing last week if you haven't had an ep- a chance to check out last week's episode folks uh, get hop on there it's still on uh, all of our podcast areas Apple Spotify and uh, hop on with Dave Burkett of the Detroit Lions what perfect timing after they fired Patricia, Bobby Quinn, uh, he called it. So it was a great episode. Yeah, he said they were in, it was an inferno hot seat, right? And boom, gone. See you later, right? Um, pick oh, number two, Doug. Pick number two. The Los Angeles Rams have a tough loss against San Fran. They, San Fran seems to own them. But we're going to go with the Los Angeles Rams over the struggling Cardinals. They're going to continue to struggle. It's minus three, a big road division game. I'm taking the Rams minus three. 
And for the Monday night game, I already kind of prepped you. Sam Fran just keeps getting healthy. You got They're, a couple options here now because Pittsburgh's playing too, right? Uh, we're, I'm going to Monday. I'm the going, original Monday. I am going. You can go the Pittsburgh way if you want. The problem is, is that spread. Who knows what's going to happen with that? Yeah, we've got. Mm, pl- uh, they are plus three, the San Francisco 49ers. I think they're going to win outright. They're going to be ready for Allen and company. Mozart's going to have a good game. I call him Mozart, Mr. Mozart. He's going to have a good game. Debo's back in the house. And Kyle Shanahan's going to continue his mastery, and they're going to take him down. Well, I can't do it. I can't do it live on air here on, on our podcast. So all I'm going to say is I agree. And I'm going to give you my two other picks. <laughs> and since I agreed with that one and it hurts me at my core, i got to bet against the Finns and the Dolphins again. <laughs> the Bengals the Bengals showed me something. Here they we go top. again. Bet with your heart, eh? Hey, uh, hey, the Bengals showed me something this week. I think they're playing for, uh, for Zach Taylor down there, the, the second-year uh, coach. I just see this spread being too high, plus 11 against the Dolphins. I think the, the Dolphins are going to win this game, but I just can't see them winning by 12 or more points here. Um, I can't see the Dolphins beating anybody by 10. They, they beat the Jets 20-3, to and they had to score a last-minute touchdown to do that. It was 14-3 to for how long, and that's the Jets. Yeah. The Bengals got more than what the Jets got. They're playing harder than the Jets are. Um, I'm one still shocked that Adam Gase is still even coaching in the NFL. I'm surprised I wouldn't even let him coach a high school team at this point. <laughs> yeah. But um, we're going with the Bengals plus 11. And how could I not? Mary Kay Cabot coming on, talking about the Cleveland Browns. Biggest game in my eyes since for the Browns since 2002 when they played Baltimore with Butch Davis as the coach. I'm taking Cleveland plus 5.5 at Tennessee. Here bloody crazy i think they i think with the emergence of miles garrett coming back they can slow henry down just a little bit uh i think the colts really missed a force buckner and that's why henry was able to get going that was a big loss i think cleveland's able to slow henry a little bit cuts down on on tennessee's play action game and i think the cleveland browns hold tight they're gonna miss obj obj in these big plays in matchups like these but jarvis landry showed up big last week he shows up big again this week Two-headed monster, Chubb, Hunt, running the football on Tennessee, giving Tennessee a taste of their own medicine. Cleveland Browns, plus five and a half. I'm taking them. All right. Well, we're, I think we're going four and two this week, but I think we're losing that one. I think you're crazy. But anyways, uh, that's good. That's good. I'm excited about it. We've got, you know what, we've got a couple weeks uh, uh, to go before we go on holidays. But do you want to just do real quickly, or are we out of time here for uh, Defensive Rookie of the Year? It's totally up to you. Let's do it. Let's, uh, let's fire in through our defensive rookie yeah, we, of the year. We went with offensive last uh, last week, so we're going to go real quickly then, just rip off uh, who, who we think are our candidates. Uh, so this is a list that I put together, um, and you're going to talk about them because I know you love the defensive side of it. So we got C.J. Henderson from Jacksonville Corner. We got A.J. Terrell from the Atlanta Falcons. We got Patrick Queen, big linebacker out of Baltimore. Jeff Gladney from the Vikings. Uh, I don't know why you put that in there, but maybe. Uh, Antoine Winfield Jr., uh, pretty class. That's Tampa Bay Bucks for the safety. And the big man on campus this past week, even though they lost, Jeremy, Twi- uh, Jeremy Chin from the Panthers. The safety, two fumble recoveries for touchdowns. That's got to help build this case, no? Oh, for sure, for sure. And, and you know, we'll, we'll, I'll whittle this down here for you as we get closer, but... Um, that, that might have just put a stamp on it uh, for the season. But, you know, you start to look at Jacksonville and, and 
we talked about them with James Robinson. They've got some nice pieces there. And one of those nice pieces that nobody's talking about is C.J. Henderson. This kid is is legit. He's a corner. Um, he can play six pass defenses this year, uh, leading all rookies in that category. You know, he's throwing in 36 tackles. He's not – no sacks, so they're not, they're not bringing him off the edge. But he's he's providing some nice uh, nice plays for Jacksonville. The problem is, though, there was another guy there hmm. that was legit at that same spot. Yeah, Jalen Ramsey. And where is he now? And that's the problem with Jacksonville. They they, they have a, an owner that's got the money. They just what the, the system. And Doug Marone once again is just 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 plugging along. Like you're right, there's pieces there, but I don't know. They need a quarterback. They need a lot of other help too. Yeah, and and you know what, winning winning helps a lot. Yep, winning does help a lot, and that'll help uh, possibly keeping these guys uh, to stay. But there is something off there in Jacksonville because they haven't been able to keep. Um, their own drafted talent for uh, for a while now. Yeah, and Henderson's going up against the top guys every week. I, I, I do like his position. Yep. Um, A.J. Terrell from the Atlanta Falcons. I know this is a, a struggling defense, but this kid's made some nice plays. I lump him in with Henderson. He's a nice piece there that um, Raheem Morris, if he, if he does uh, get the full-time coaching position in Atlanta, will be able to build around and uh, use in his secondary. I like him, and I think that they are going to keep Morris. I think they're playing with uh, they're playing with some urgency, and uh, good for the Falcons for not laying down. This is a guy that we touted, that we loved, that we had as one of our steals in the draft when we did our NFL did. draft preview. We yeah. talked about him being in this position that we're talking about right now, and that is uh, Defensive Rookie of the Year, and that's Patrick Queen. Um, just a tackling machine. Great fit in Baltimore. 67 tackles, two sacks, a pass defense. Would like to see a few more splash plays from him, some forced fumbles, maybe an interception or two. But, hey, he's a rookie. He's doing what he was uh, brought there to do, and that's tackle um, the ball carriers, tackle receivers, and uh, patrol the middle of the football field. And he's doing it well, and he's going to continue to learn in Baltimore. For sure. Jeff Gladney, you had to throw him in there. You had to throw him in there. You know, your Vikes... But uh, the kids made 51 tackles. We talked about those splash plays with Queen. Uh, with Queen. Gladney's got to make a few of those for yes. me. He, his completion percentage, really solid. He's doing a good job in coverage. Um, needs to be able to turn his head a little bit more and locate that football. Yeah, it's part of their system, too, yeah. the ways they replace. But, but I do agree with you. But uh, we need a few, a few more big splash plays. He's got to get that pick. He's got to get a pick six in there if he really wants to throw himself into, uh, into this race. We get down to our final two. Both safeties. Both safeties, which which kind of tells tells the tale of NFL in in 2020 and moving forward. Pass, is pass, 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 pass. Pass, 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 pass. And look at the emergence of the safeties. You look at last night's football game, Jamal Adams. You look at Minka Fitzpatrick in Pittsburgh. You look at both safeties in Buffalo. They just – the safety position has now turned into this hybrid. It's no longer – this position that just sits back there in the cover two and, you know, defends the deep ball and knocks balls down and, and just keeps everything in front of them. They're using these guys all over the football field. They're using them as blitzers. They're using them as robbers. They're using them as linebackers yep. on, on passing downs and nickel and dime formations. And that's what the Bucks and the Panthers are doing with Antoine Winfield Jr., Jeremy Chin. I had these guys neck and neck, like you said, Chin now is ahead on those two big splash plays, the big touchdown returns, uh, the forced fumble returns for touchdowns. But both of them are right there. Four and five fast pass defenses each. They each got a pick. Um, Winfield's got two sacks in there. 
chin, two fumble, forced fumbles, both with recoveries and the touchdowns. I think this race is going to go down to one or the other. Right now, I'm giving my vote into Jeremy Chin as the defensive rookie of the year, Carolina Panthers. Well, I can't, I can't agree more with you on that, and, and it's going to be interesting. Uh, you know, as I said, we've got a couple weeks left, so we'll be 13, 14 uh, weeks, so we're going to have a couple weeks off, and then when we get back, it'll be the last, you know, two weeks of the NFL season. We'll, we'll, we'll do a quick recap on offensive and defensive to see if we can narrow it down to those final two spots, and, and uh, it'll, be, uh, it'll be exciting times just to see where we're going to fit. Yeah, what a wild ride, Dutch. Uh, you know, episodes 35 and 36 coming up in season one to end it off. I believe on December 16th before we go away. So what a absolute blast it's been and some amazing guests on. And um, yeah, stay tuned for yeah, these last gonna two episodes. Yeah, we're going to try and nail one more, uh, one more big guest. Uh, take a, t- take a, it'll be just you and I uh, shooting, the, shooting the shit next week. And uh, we'll, we'll finalize that. And then hopefully we can land a, a special guest to end it before we go to holidays. So all the listeners out there, make sure you're following us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. At Ginger and Dutch One. We've got all the fun stuff. Keeping up to date with all the sports happening Monday all the way through till Sunday. Dutch, any closing thoughts on this episode? I do have one quick, and they, they brought it up last night. Sorry, it's COVID. I know you know everybody stay safe out there. America's blowing up as 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 we are watching it with the NFL and how crazy it is. And we've been arguing back and forth: should each game have happened? Should this have happened? Uh, why are they keep postponing it? Denver Broncos with a big just debacle with uh, with quarterbacks but you gotta give the seattle seahawks credit they're the only team in the nfl that have yet to have a covid positive test so kudos to whatever they're doing in their organization and everybody buying into it and staying safe take care everyone enjoy the snow listeners thanks again for mary cabot uh, coming on from the cleveland browns beat writer and then hope you enjoyed the Ginger and Dutch podcast. I'm Ginger. And I'm Dutch.